This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others, and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi friends, welcome back to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica Anderson, and today I'm speaking with my friend and former colleague, Kelsey Harkness. She is a reporter in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill, but she's also traveling across the country reporting on stories that may not be getting as much play in the news. Uh, She's also a fellow at the Steamboat Institute and the Independent Women's Forum, so she's got a lot of eggs in her basket. Today, we talk about some of her favorite stories to cover, why she's passionate about what she does, and how it feels to be a conservative woman in today's world when right now that may not be the mainstream or the status quo. Uh, We talk about why it's okay to think differently and how she is staying grounded as she reports the news in this kind of crazy world that we're living in right now. So enjoy my conversation with Kelsey Hartness. Well, hey, Kelsey, thank you so much for joining me for Worth Your Time today. Thank you for having me. It's great to join your awesome new podcast. <laughs> thank you. Well, you're a veteran. You, you, well, you do a Facebook Live show, um, but that's also turned into a podcast, right? Everything is a podcast these days. Well, everything, yeah. <laughs> it's like if it's on audio, it's a podcast. Um, so, so Kelsey and I know each other from working at the Heritage Foundation, and she is a a reporter with the Daily Signal. Um, so Kelsey, tell us a little bit about your background and what you do for a living. I originally am from a small town in Connecticut, a suburb out of New York City. I went to Lafayette College in Pennsylvania, and I started my career out working at Fox News in New York City. Uh, most of my friends from college ended up in New York City. That's really where our alumni network is. And I did a few years there and just felt like if I really wanted to do this policy politics thing, I needed to go to the heart of it. And that, of course, is Washington, D.C. So I have been here for four and a half years now. It has probably been the best four and a half years of my life. Despite how ugly things can get here in Washington, D.C., I love the city. I love uh, the work-life balance. I was lucky enough to meet my now husband here, and I have stayed with Daily Signal, which is the multimedia news organization at the Heritage Foundation, for all of those four and a half years really um, because I'm able to take on a lot of other opportunities here. I feel like my career is constantly growing. I recently became a visiting fellow with the Independent Women's Forum, which you are, of course, familiar with. Um, So it's just been a really uh, fun time down here in Washington, D.C. And for, you know, in my day-to-day life, what I like about my job is I'm always doing something different. I, as you mentioned, I am a co-host of a podcast called Problematic Women, where we... 
um, are sort of a conservative voice for um, female empowerment and feminism. We sort of provide that alternative viewpoint, especially for younger girls, uh, about what we think feminism and women's empowerment means to us. I also, since I started working here, have been producing these mini documentaries, what I call them, to show how policies are actually affecting real people. So for that, I get to travel across the country and meet all di different kinds of people and allow them to tell their story, really taking the reporter out of it. I also, from time to time, will write some uh, news and commentary. I used to be more on the news side, and now I've, I've moved over towards the commentary side. I think my title should probably reflect that in the near future. Um, and I've been doing a lot of media this year, which has been new for me and certainly a challenge. It doesn't necessarily come natural. I think there's a lot of people who are naturally very outgoing and outspoken and, um, you know, really thrive in that environment but it's been a it's been intimidating for me but um that makes it all the more rewarding when i do it and you know feel like i did a good job i really it feels like i conquered the world because i pretty much did just did conquered my biggest challenge uh, my <laughs> biggest fear <laughs> yeah yeah well i want to talk a little more about the um problematic women, women thing in a second but i wanted to ask you you know so many people are kind of turned off by politics, especially right now. It's been so divisive lately. Um, so for you, what makes you interested in staying involved in politics? And then is it the politics side or the journalism side that keeps you so passionate about what you do for a living? It's a good question. I think it is unfortunate how divisive things have become, especially um, you know, these past couple weeks with this fight over Judge Brett Kavanaugh in the Supreme Court. But what I, the reason I went into this field is because in college, ironically or not, I thought that I saw too many of my friends not being engaged with current events, not knowing what's going on in the world. And I thought the media isn't doing a good job connecting with them in ways that they find interesting and engaging and importantly, aren't able to emotionally connect with. And now, you know, I sort of look back at my thinking there and I'm like, maybe we were better off with people not caring so much about politics. <laughs> so it's almost like the pendulum swung too far the other way where I think people are over responding and overreacting to a lot of what's going on in politics. And while they are trying to be informed, I think, you know, the media landscape is very polarized and people aren't seeing or even attempting to see the other side. So one of my favorite things about my job here at The Daily Signal that really keeps me going is, is these documentaries that I talk about. And very early on in my career, I had to produce these videos on some of the most polarizing topics there are. And that was same-sex marriage and religious liberty. I'm sure a lot of people know about these fights um, between bakers and florists and photographers who don't want to provide their services for same-sex wedding because uh, they feel like they are violating their religious and moral beliefs about marriage. And that was certainly a difficult topic for me to jump into so early on. And I, I really saw, I guess, the ugliest side of politics there is um, on Twitter engaging on that topic. But 
what I say about what I do regarding those topics is that, you know, I went out and interviewed a couple of these um, bakers and, and, and florists, and uh, I produced a short documentary, and I let them tell their own story in the hopes that anybody who watches that video they still might not agree with their position uh, on the issue at the end of the day. They still might not agree with their decision not to serve a wedding cake, make a wedding cake for a same-sex marriage. But hopefully they understand why that person is making that decision. And they understand a little bit more about their religious beliefs and why those are so central to everything they do. And I think if everyone just had a bit more um, open mind and understanding of of where the other side is coming to, things wouldn't be as ugly as they are today. Mm-hmm. So I think that is an aspect of my job that definitely keeps me going, and um, and and I want to do more of them. And that was something <clears throat> that topic, same sex marriage, was that something that you were hesitant to to report on just because it was so divisive? Because even among conservatives that issue can be, um, there's disagreement on that. So, um, what, were you hesitant to report on it and, and has your perspective on, I mean, it sounds like your perspective on, on why you're doing that has changed over time. Absolutely. I was hesitant. I grew up in a very liberal environment. A lot of my friends are Democrats. I have some friends, uh, who are, um, who who are gay or lesbian, and I was really worried about how they would perceive uh, me covering a topic like that. And um, you know, I still to this day get worried about what people think. Um, but at the end of the day, it's I think it's important work, and I hope that they do understand why I'm doing it. And it's interesting that I've actually along the way met a lot of people who. Um, you know, are gay or lesbian. And after hearing the other side, they understand it. And, and I think that really speaks to the power of personal storytelling. Um, and, you know, particularly on a, on a sensitive issue like that. Yeah. And you have this series, I don't, I don't think you said the name earlier, underreported at the Daily Signal. And so you're covering things like that. You also covered stories about, um, the 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 kids in Texas that experienced a school shooting um, that did not respond like the students in Parkland. The kids in Texas were more um, supportive of Second Amendment rights and um, were not out there um, speaking out for um, gun restrictions. Um, that's a story that the media didn't report, and that you went down to Texas and got the perspective of students um, that have that that side of the issue. Um, so I think those stories that you're getting that people aren't hearing in the mainstream media, or I guess that term is kind of old these days. Nobody says mainstream media anymore. <laughs> what is the term Except people when you're use? you're criticizing them. <laughs> right. No, there's some legacy media. That's one that people use sometimes to describe it. But just the, the, the major media networks um, sometimes are ignoring some of the stories about regular Americans um, that are out there. And I think that's why it's so important what the daily signal is doing. And you're not even out there doing it from your own perspective. I mean, you're really doing journalism and just, Hey, asking the questions, hearing the stories. And I think that's, Oh, it's just so important right now because, uh, as you said, I think the pendulum has swung to the other side too much where people are not listening to people they disagree with, um, as much as they should. 
Absolutely. And that story you mentioned at Santa Fe, it really does make me upset that you don't hear these stories. When I first covered that, a lot of people asked, why are you traveling to Santa Fe? Why are you, why are you going to New Mexico? And I'm like, I'm not going to New Mexico. I'm going to Santa Fe, Texas, where there's a school shooting um, where over 10 people died because of it. And, um, you know, so people not only didn't know these students' perspectives, they didn't even know what happened there because the media hardly gave them a voice as soon as they found out that they're not advocating for gun control because this is a this is a you know a small town in Texas where um, there's 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 more cattle than there are people. Um, <laughs> They, they care about their guns. They use their guns for protection. They use their guns for hunting. Um, they just grew up around it. It's that kind of environment. And I think for me, someone who grew up in the suburbs of Connecticut, I, don't, I didn't grow up around guns. I didn't know a lot of people who were a part of sort of the gun culture. But traveling and actually seeing some of these towns uh, where that is a part of their lives, you start to understand why... Um, they have such a different opinion and such a strong opinion on the Second Amendment, and, and I've come to really respect that. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned Problematic Women, your Facebook live show that you do with, <clears throat> that you do with Brie Payton from The, the Federalist. Um, and this show has become one of the most popular video series and podcasts at Her- the Heritage Foundation and The Daily Signal. What's the background of the name on the show? What's it about? And also, what's it like for you to be a woman in today's culture whose um, maybe beliefs or opinions don't always line up to what traditionally, um, or at least what the culture says a woman's opinion should be? Yeah, so leading up to the election of Donald Trump, there was a lot of criticism for any woman who dared to step out of line with how liberal feminists thought that women should think and how they should vote. We even heard this from Hillary Clinton and Michelle Obama demonizing women who dared to think independently and for themselves. This came up in a lot of women's magazines, and there was one article in particular that caught my attention. It was in Elle magazine, and the headline was, How Do We Criticize Problematic Women? There's a picture of Kellyanne Conway, Ivanka Trump, uh, Megyn Kelly, some other conservative women below it, really raising a legitimate question in their perspective of how do we as feminists criticize these women without being deeply hypocritical? And while it was a serious article for them, uh, I couldn't help but kind of laugh at at the at that headline and their line of thinking that conservative women are problems that they need to be that that need to be fixed not reasonable women who are worthy of debate and um and differences and so i kind of went with it and i responded in an article in the federalist saying you know this this idea that conservative women are problems to be fixed uh is really symbolic of how they view us as a whole and that article took off we did a few facebook lives and we kind of just went with it because every week in the news cycle it seems that there's a new problematic woman i think of um just recently uh 
Melania Trump was in trouble during her Africa trip for what she wore. And she had to tell the media, stop focusing on what I'm wearing and focus on what I'm doing. Uh, so I just I, th I think there's a lot of hypocrisy when it comes to liberal feminism. And there is a need to be a voice and kind of call it out, but also have a positive message on what feminism and women's empowerment can actually be. And that's what we try to do in this podcast. We, um, you know, try to call, call, call out the hypocrisy, but also point out that uh, women's empowerment is important. Uh, women's voices are important. And there are ways for us to unite. It seems like the left is constantly trying to peddle this tribalism politics where you are supposed to vote and think based on your body parts. And I think that's very dangerous. And there's a need for women like yourself as well to speak up and, and say, um, you know, nothing's more empowering than thinking independently. Right, exactly. And you guys have, I mean, this show, Problematic Woman, and then also some of the stuff you and Brie both write for The Federalist and The Daily Signal, um, some of the things you're doing, that's a much needed coverage that we don't see enough. Um, that's one, one of the reasons I love The Daily Signal in general is just because, you know, you're covering stories that a lot of the regular news is not covering. And um, so that, along with, you know, some of the efforts that we're doing over at Independent Women's Forum, we have the uh, Champion Women program going on, which essentially exists to uh, just say, hey, everyone has a right to be heard and to be respected. And we believe in civility and respect for other women. And um, and I, I totally agree with what you say in that, like, what's more empowering to women than, you know, telling women you can believe in, and think what you want. And that's OK. Um, so I, I love what you guys are doing there. Um, you mentioned feminist. Uh, that word is such a hot button word. Um, do you consider yourself a feminist? And what do you think about that word or the concept of the word and how it's changed over time? That is such a difficult question. And it's a question that I love asking guests when we have on our podcast, because there is a big divide, not just among conservatives, but among all Americans about whether or not they identify as feminists. The most recent polling I saw um, found that only one fifth of all Americans identify as feminists. And that was really surprising to me because that's not the perception you get in the mainstream media when listening to the ways we talk about feminism. That is a small majority, a small minority of our country who actually is self-identifying as feminists. So I, I, do identify as a feminist, but I, when I say that, I always have to provide an asterisk underneath that says I don't, I don't identify as the type of uh, the the definition of feminist that a lot of liberal feminists like to like like to pretend that it is. I believe in feminism because I think our, I think that as women. We have been disadvantaged in the past. We have been unequal. And I'm very grateful to the women who fought decades before me so that we could have equal rights. Now, I think in, in today's society, we're in a position where we have equal rights, but that doesn't mean we don't still face injustices. And injustices are very different from being unequal. We have equality before the law in the United States, but in the workplace, 
you know, outside of the workplace, we still will face injustices. I mean, that's what this whole Me Too movement is about. It's about empowering women to speak up about those injustices and uh, use the benefits that we have as being equals in society to get justice. So I, that's why I do, to an extent, embrace the term feminism, because I, I first and foremost am in great, so grateful for the work of women before me. And I also believe in promoting women and um, promoting empowering them with the confidence to speak up and stand up for themselves, no matter their beliefs. And uh, hopefully if, if, if they, hopefully they don't have to face injustices, but I want them to feel empowered and brave enough to speak up if those occur. So you mentioned me too. Are you, I know for me, me too is kind of got two sides of it. I, I think I am happy with the movement in that it has empowered women to speak up and like, push back against a culture that really is um has overlooked sexual assault and sexual harassment um for a long time but also we've seen it kind of swing back too far the other way sometimes what is your take on that I completely agree with you I was an early supporter of me too but at the onset I was skeptical because we saw just a couple months before me too started the women's march, the, that that whole women's movement get started, and that was a movement that there were a lot of conservative women who um, were uh, not supportive of President Trump. A lot of them called themselves never Trumpers. Um, a lot of them uh, simply, you know, agreed with everything the women's march was promoting, except the issue of abortion. They were pro-life, and the I found the women's march to be very exclusionary. They didn't allow anybody who disagreed with them on anything to be a part of it. And so when a Me Too movement started to form, I was certainly uh, welcome of that, supportive of that. I wrote and spoke out in support of uh, in support of it, but I was also skeptical skeptical about whether or not it would allow conservative women to be a part of it, and whether or not it would get hijacked by these very uh, radical feminists who we know because of women's mar the women's march and because of the way they've treated feminism in general that it's all about a women's right to choose, I was very skeptical that they would ever let us be a part of it. And sadly, I think as time went on, especially in these past couple weeks with the uh, confirmation process of Brett Kavanaugh, a lot of our fears about the movement have come true. Now their tagline is Believe All Women, which does not make any room for uh, very foundational principles of our Western democracy, presumption of innocence and due process. And I think that's a very scary time. That that said, I think that there is a middle ground where women should be heard. I'm very glad that uh, Christine Blasey Ford had her time um, to, to speak up. But I think we also uh, need to look at evidence, credibil credibility, corroboration, due process, presumption of innocence. And it seems like one side doesn't care about that. And as an end result, I think the Me Too movement is losing a lot of support among women who 
genuinely wanted to be a part of it from the start. Right. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Um, so back to a little bit more about your job in general. Um, what is your favorite part about your job as a reporter producer? Um, and what are some of the favorite stories that you've covered over your four, was it four years at Heritage or at the Daily Signal? Yeah, I'm going, going on five, four and a half now. Um, yeah, this was my first job in Washington, D.C., and I have stayed here much in part because about once a month I get to do these mini documentaries, travel the country, and meet all different kinds of Americans from all different kinds of backgrounds and really connect with them on a human level, uh, find out what is driving them um you know, politically, culturally, and just get a different perspective. I was I was born and raised in Connecticut outside of New York City, and then I lived in New York City, and then I moved to Washington, D.C., and I always knew there was more than, than what was around me, and I think that the ability to travel as a journalist and spend time in coal country in middle of nowhere, Missouri and Mississippi, go down to the border in, in San Diego. I think that gives me an important perspective that sadly a lot of journalists um, don't have. We get too consumed with our own ways and big cities are very, very different from rural America. So um, that's definitely one of my favorite parts of my job, getting to take myself out of the story and tell other people's stories, um, especially in terms of these underreported policy issues that do not get enough attention in the mainstream media because we all are so consumed with the politics of the day. Yeah, it just seems like there's always this narrative in the media and it just gets, it just takes off. And really, you know, we see that in the media, we see that from celebrity culture or whatever. And then really, when you come to the heart of America, um, which is, I live in Indiana, so that's pretty hard. <laughs> and um, so many people are, whether or not they are identify as like a Republican or a conservative, so many people are, are so much more middle ground than the kind of extreme story that you often see on the news. Um, so I, I, I really wish that, you know, all of the network news stations would make an effort to really go out and get those stories, but that I guess makes what you guys are doing all that more important. Um, so do you consider your job, is it, is it your profession, your, something you're passionate about? Is it, is it fueled by a greater personal principle or is, or is it more just like, Hey, this is my job. So this is where I would, I would argue that (laughs) women are at an advantage where, um, I think society has placed a lot of responsibility on men to be the head of the household. And I saw a lot of men who, uh, a lot of, you know, I guess guys, boys at the time in high school and college, think about entering careers not out of passion, but out of a sense of responsibility to one day be providers and make a lot of money um, for their families. And I find that very honorable and and respectful. I do think it's, um, you know, I I do think it's sad to an extent because I entered this industry purely because 
of passion and a passion to communicate in a different way uh, through documentary storytelling that I, I didn't see being done enough and to connect with different audiences. Um, and so, yeah, my, it's, it really is a labor of love. Of course, it's, it's also a job and, and, you know, getting that paycheck at the end of the day is very important. Um, but, you know, just to be perfectly honest here, you know, thinking of speaking as a woman who, you know, recently got married and at some point in, in the semi near future is thinking about having a family. If I didn't love what I was doing, I would probably, um, be perfectly happy leaving my job and raising a family. I would find far more meaning out of that rather than sitting at a nine to five desk job that I wasn't passionate about. But I find my, I, I, I'm, I, I'm very grateful that I pursued a career that I am passionate about, that I do love coming to do every day. And because of that, I, I will probably stick with it and, and raise a family and still um, work to a certain extent. So um, I, I think, and I also think on, on that front, you know, for any younger audiences listening right now, if you really are passionate about what you're doing, um, that paycheck will come later. It will pay off. <laughs> I worked a lot of, uh, when I worked at Fox News in New York City, I was making $12.50 an hour and had to live in New York City, um, <laughs> which is very difficult to do. Yeah, that's very uh, difficult to do. Yeah, I had a nice three-bedroom uh, apartment with one bathroom. I walked to work because I couldn't even afford a subway subway ticket. Um, so, so, you know, I, I kind of made the, those sacrifices early on in my career. I didn't, I didn't worry about money on the front end. And, um, you know, now, now my career is taking off where hopefully I can have the best of both worlds and be comfortable financially, but also still be doing what I love. Okay. We've got just two more questions. Um, what is a personal or professional goal that you'd like to accomplish in the next five years? That is, that is such a difficult question. Um, this year, I have been doing a lot more live TV. I've been going on Fox News and Fox Business, and that has been a new big hurdle for me. And uh, that's honestly something that I guess I always dreamed about, but I kind of buried away because I didn't think I could do it. I was that person in, in college who... Uh, basically got an anxiety attack about raising my hand and asking a question. So to go from that to now debating people on live TV, um, I feel like I've conquered the world already <laughs> to a certain extent. Um, so I do want to continue getting better at that. And in doing so, you know, first I have to get comfortable, but what I really hope to do is to be a voice for younger girls and women to inspire them to speak independently, no, speak and think independently, um, no matter what their perspectives are, and to really communicate that there, um, there is, you know, a different version of female empowerment and feminism out there. Um, I know there's, you know, you and I both know a number of, um, strong independent women who are already speaking this message, I would, I would absolutely consider you one of them. Uh, but I think it's a really important time for that message. And if, if younger generations don't hear us, we risk losing them. So, you know, maybe, 
maybe down the line there's, um, you know, a book to be written or uh, more in-depth documentary that I could do um, to take my work to the next level. Uh, but that's kind of what I'm looking towards in the next five years. All right. I like that. I like the sound of a book to be written. That yeah, sounds... I, I need to talk to you about that one. <laughs> we, can, we can chat later. Um, okay. Last question, because I'm always dying to know what people are reading and watching and listening to. Do you have any uh, recent books, shows, or podcasts that you would recommend? Or just that you've been listening or you've been watching lately? Um, yeah. So I'm a huge podcast consumer. Uh, every morning I wake up, I listen to the New York Times, the Daily, I listen to NPR's Up First, and uh, I like to squeeze in some Federalist Radio Hour, um, and I also try to listen to Pod Save America, which is by a group of former Obama officials, because I always do try to get to the other side. And then after work, I always listen to uh, the Ben Shapiro show which I think is, um, you know, he's such a great, he's brilliant and gets to the point, calls balls and strikes. Um, and then obviously I have my uh, colleagues podcast at the Daily Signal. I like to mix in there. But then there also totally comes a time where I have had enough politics and I need to clear my brain and get inspired by something completely different. And that's when I turn to... Um, a podcast called From the Heart by a, uh, she's a yogi who lives in Aruba with her husband and little one-year-old adorable girl. Um, she opened a yoga studio, started a nonprofit foundation. Um, she's, she's really like taking over the world <laughs> in a way. And she definitely has a very different perspective than me politically, um, one day I should probably hijack her podcast and get on there and talk some sense to them. <laughs> but I have so much respect for what she's doing. I love yoga. I am a certified yoga instructor. Uh, I, you know, try to teach volunteer classes once in a while, but it gets so hard to do with my unpredictable schedule. Um, but that's a podcast from the heart that I would highly recommend if you need to turn your brain off from politics and listen to something a little more inspirational. All right. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. <laughs> and yeah, you'll uh, have to add your, yours to my regular list. Oh, yes, please do. And where can we find you online? So you can follow me on Twitter at Kelsey J Harkness and uh, you can read my work at the daily signal at the federalist. You can also subscribe to bright, which is uh, email that Eric and I are both editors of. Um, I think it's such a great product for women. So um, get brightemail.com, go sign up. You will not regret it. All right. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kelsey. I really enjoyed speaking with her. I think it's important that we're 
talking about things that maybe are uncomfortable sometimes. We're listening to people that um, maybe think differently from us, or we're just getting the perspective of why someone does believe what they believe. And so I love where Kelsey's coming from. I love hearing from her. And, you know, of course, the two of us, we are aligned ideologically ideologically pretty closely. Um, but I want to talk to all kinds of people on this podcast. And um, it was great to hear from Kelsey on what she's doing, why she's passionate about her work and what we can see from her in the future. So please do follow her on social media, check out some of the amazing videos that she's doing over at the daily signal. And um, we'll see you next time on worth your time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.